0: Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast, this is episode 74, you've got Chris and Brian. Uh, this time around, we're going to talk about pre-flighting your gear, um, validating you know, modifications to your weapons, to your gear, etc., and do a quick um, kind of industry update, um, situation update, uh, primar- primarily surrounding um, what's going on with gun stores and stuff uh, because of the George Floyd uh, riots going on around the country. Absolutely. Um, guys,
1: you know we, we're the the PSA is unfortunately we're back to COVID two months ago. Um, ironically, COVID's dead. Long live COVID. COVID's dead. Um, you know, with with the George Floyd thing popping off, um, and and some of the issues we're seeing with with ill-behaved folks in urban areas and some suburban areas, uh, gun sales are back to skyrocketing. Um, we're we're hearing a lot of folks predicting that June will be as big a month as March, and March was the biggest month ever. Um, I don't think June will be as big a month as March because there aren't guns out there to sell. Um, I'll say that slowly. Guns are gone. Um, our, our distributors are out of guns. The manufacturers who supply our distributors can't make guns fast enough. Um, and a lot of these folks, a lot of these businesses are suffering from a drawdown post trump winning the election because everybody took a nap when trump won as far as guns and whatnot Um, you know obama had had things up and rolling for eight years running record sales and when trump won the election gun guys kind of took a nap because they felt safe with trump um curious decision there either way um be aware that guns are very very hard to get probably more concerning to me is that ammo is very hard to get uh, we are hearing rumors, I don't want to name brands, but we're hearing rumors from our distributors that a couple big names in ammo manufacturing uh, are saying that they do not have the raw materials available to manufacture uh, what would be considered training ammo or inexpensive ammo, their entry level um, uh, brands are uh, not brands, but entry-level models of ammo yeah. um, it, it are they're they're just not making them right now. Um, and so, you know, what when you're looking for cheap ammo to go blazily at the range, whether it's for training or for plinking, um, that could be a while out and restock on a lot of the less expensive stuff. So, um, you know, if you find ammo somewhere, buy it. Um, if you got a buddy who's silly enough to think, well, I'm going to get rid of some of this ammo right now, um, and it's a good price, buy it from them. Yeah. Yeah. So beyond that. Uh, raw materials to manufacture lots of things, whether it's nylon for slings or bags or gear, or whether it's aluminum to make widgets and g-gaws, or whether it's I don't know pellets to make plastic. Um, I, don't, I don't know where all that's at right now, um, but I will tell you that there. Are,
0: well, the plastic pellets went into all those sneeze guard things you see ex- at the grocery store. Exactly.
1: Are. Yes. I mean, you, so you have, uh, you know, man, you have new manufacturers popping up, or or manufacturers shifting their capabilities to work COVID. Um, and pulling raw materials out of different places that maybe they've not previously used or they've, you know, trying different things out. It's, it has definitely put a stress on the supply, never mind the fact that some of the states that manufacture the raw materials are have not reopened yet. Um, California, um, Washington State, I believe, uh, New York State, and a few others um, are, are still really pulling the reins in on businesses. So um, production of some of the raw materials come from these places, and that's, that's definitely put a damper on the manufacturers being able to make what they make uh never mind any attempts to shift into covid mode um you know now we're out of that like i said with because with you know because george floyd killed covid apparently or, or chauvin killed covid i guess would be Somebody more appropriate yeah so yeah so you know um if like i said um if you're thinking about stocking up on ammo a uh, good time to do that would have been four months ago uh, but if you can find it now buy it now for sure so um, I, I think, I really think in the ammo world, especially for those of us who shoot and train a lot, um, the next six months to a year are going to be k- kind of sucky. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, gun-wise, if you got a buddy chasing down a gun, um, double-stack Glocks, still unicorns, good quality ARs, still tough to get. Um, some interesting stuff is popping up occasionally, uh, but in very, very limited amounts. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty sparse out there at the moment, guys, and I don't think it's going to get any better until... Municipality, city managers, until city mayors um, and administrators at the top levels of law enforcement, um, you know, empower their guys to go out and stop the shenanigans, uh, the tomfoolery, and the outright felonious behavior um, that we're currently seeing. Until until the admin guys and the uh, the the leaders of our cities decide to grow up here and stop this stuff, people are going to be scared and be buying stuff, and it's not the normal customers, it's a lot of new folks again, so that's putting a huge strain on things right now. So just be aware of that. So I'll stop uh, preaching about the state of the industry. So um let's get into pre-flighting.
0: Yeah, so when we talk pre-flighting, um we are talking about being able to take your, your gun, your equipment, your optic, um whatever, you know, from the case, from the safe, um, look it over, check it over, and make sure that it is ready to go. So
1: I'm gonna throw out I'm gonna throw out what happens before the pre-flight. Um, as a a former Zumi crew chief um, on great big planes that that hold lots of gas and if things go wrong or really bad, um, the the, the pre-flight is preceded by maintenance. Uh, The pre-flight is preceded by if we have a new item we put on a plane, we make absolutely sure that it's installed properly and that it works correctly. Um, and, And we do, you know, there are upgrades on a regular basis and things of that nature. Um, all those things are tested out, whether it's done by a specialist, um, in a certain shop off the flight line, or whether it's done by the guy turning wrenches on the flight line, um, you know, by some NCO, uh, or airman who, who, you know, knows the, the, the airframe inside and out. Um, so you bought a new gun, um, really before you, you know, the pre-flight is more of what are you doing every day when you put it in your holster versus... Let's check this piece of equipment out. If somebody hands me a new aircraft and I'm have got to go, i going to go over that aircraft for a few days with a fine-tooth comb and make sure everything's in line, I'm going to go back on and check the Dash 1, see what kind of maintenance hits have popped up, see where it's been red-balled or red-xed, and see why it's not been in the air for different things in the past and see if there's any patterns. Um, if, I get, if I buy a gun, even if it's from a family member or somebody that I know who I generally would assume is squared away, or I know they're not one way or the other, um, I'm going to check that gun out and make sure it works. Uh, to, not to put too sharp a point on this, but we had one of our tribe recently purchase a firearm from a family member. Very high-quality custom Glock from a very reputable manufacturer who makes fighting guns. Um, I, and I'm not going to name any names here, but the concern would be did the did this gun showed up with a set of sights in the newest owner's hands as a used gun. Um and the sites were the gun was shooting very, very low, even at intermediate ranges, ten, fifteen yards, was was off of some smaller targets completely. Um the, I think the assumption was that the guy that had the gun is a shooter. Um, you know, is a guy who's got a little bit of professional at arms experience. Um and, and the assumption was, hey, this thing's gonna be squared away and it wasn't. So, you know, when you're buying a gun from somebody, even if it's somebody that's a buddy of yours, uh, who knows what manner of shenanigans they've committed. Um I keep saying shenanigans.
0: They're shenanigans.
1: Okay. Um, you know, what whatever they've done to that gun, they may have thrown new sites on that gun to sell it because they liked the sites that were on it and didn't want to sell it with mm-hmm. those sites. Um, are they the correct sites? Are they regulated for the gun? Has it been test driven? Um not all sites work on the guns they're supposed to. Sometimes you put XYZ sites for a Glock 19, Glock 17, or something like that on the gun, and they don't actually go where they're supposed to go from the factory. Due to just some differential um, dimensional collision or tolerance collision when the gun was manufactured, so so beyond pre-flighting, making sure before you do your daily checks, let's go out and take the take the piece of equipment out. Let's go over it with a fine-tooth comb. Let's go shoot it, and make sure it works. Let's not find any surprises um, by wasting training time, training hours, training ammo. Um, and training considerations when you should actually just be training and not worrying about your equipment. So, um, you know, take that gun out and and check it out and see what's going on with it. Um, That's just one of many examples we could get into, Um, ARs with pistol style optics with no risers that you buy from somebody and you take it to the range to, you know, go take a training class for the first time to realize that, wow, I can't get my cheek low enough on this gun to make it work. Or you went and bought a CZ Scorpion and put a folding or you bought a used CZ Scorpion with a folding stock on it that has a drop to it, but the optic on it is an AR height optic and you have to run a chin weld to run the gun. Um, Those are all setup issues that come before the pre-flight. So having said all that, is there anything you want to add to that?
0: Yeah. um, And unfortunately, like if you're buying used guns right now, a lot of people selling their used guns are not selling their good guns. They're selling their problem guns. Yeah. Um, So checking, you know, internally, uh, like on an AR, I'm looking at the bolt carrier group. I'm going to make sure the gas key is properly staked. Uh, I want to inspect the bolt lugs, you know, very carefully for tracks or missing bolt lugs, um, potentially. Yeah. Um, You know, I want to check that the chamber um, is good to go as much as I can visually see. I want to see that, you know, the gun isn't eroded, um, that things like the safety selectors, the hammer works, um it's not that nothing is bent or twisted, um or basically, you know, put together by a monkey.
1: Yeah, well, galled scratched up, um, bare metal exposed, etc. things of those things of that nature. Um, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, with those kind of things in mind, when we talk about let's left shift gears now. So we've got a piece of equipment that we've vetted, we know it's in good shape, we know it's properly maintained, we know that you know, springs are updated, etc., parts are it's been PM'd as necessary. Um you know, and, and it's it's lubed and cleaned and whatnot. The the pre-flighting of the gun um, is, is more of a mentality of, you know, so the, the ground crew guys have gotten the aircraft squared away. They know it's ready to go, but you're the pilot and you're the one who's going to auger into the ground at the speed of sound when things go wrong at 30,000 feet. Um, assuming you, you know, assuming you can't get whatever F-16 yard dart or great big pig to glide when Provided it's got yeah You got the, yeah, the 30,000 yeah, 30, feet. feet. Maybe it goes wrong at 2,000 feet trying to get off the runway and clear the runway. Um, the, the pre-flight is, is immediately before you get in the device to use it. So, you know, um, th- this is, this is more along the lines of let's, let's put our gun in the morning, let's put it on our, our, our person and go walk out into the world. So what does your pre-flight look like before that? Um, If the gun wasn't on you, um, it would probably serve well to pop the mag out of the gun, make sure the mag's loaded fully, reinsert the mag into the gun, either do a press check, or if you're the guy who pops that top round out and puts it in your training bucket, then when you pulled your mag out, you know, get ready to top it off or whatever the case may be. Um, You know, do your press check, do your tap, make sure that if you run an optic, your optic is on. Um, You know, take two seconds to make sure that, you know, the sights are still on the gun, they haven't fallen off or something like that. Um, and then jamming it in your holster, uh, making sure that all the screws are on the holster real quick. takes two seconds to glance and make sure the new hardware's is falling off um, because your ground crew should have loctited all those screws, but maybe they didn't, um, you know, that type of thing and then putting the holster in your pants over your belt and making sure that the clip locked onto your belt. Now you're ready to take off. Yeah. So that's the pre-flight kind of mentality for a pistol. Um, you know, for a rifle, it's the same kind of conversation. Um, you know, uh, Pat, Pat Rogers used to, to run through this whole, he would go on a rant, um, about sports. And if you were in the military, probably through the nineties, uh, especially big army, you know, you were given sports, uh, as a, as a technique to, to clear malfunctions, blah, 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 blah. Um, the, the loading, proper loading and unloading sequence of a firearm, especially a rifle an M4 carbine or whatever, preempts a lot of what you would need with sports, um, and it's basically you're, you're loading the gun um, at an, in, at an in administrative stance, but you're still grabbing the gun like you mean it. You're still grabbing the mag like you mean it. You're, you're inserting the gun, inserting the mag into the gun. You're chambering around. Um, you're making sure the safety's engaged. You're pulling the magazine back out, making sure that the top round is no longer in the magazine, reinserting the magazine, push-pull. Why do we pull it? Because we want to make sure it's stuck. Um, you know, and then making sure that your light, you tap your light, is your light coming on? Does it actually work? Does the switch work? Is it putting out light? Um, does it look like a Mennonite tactical light? Maybe at some point are your batteries dead or is the front of the lens scutcheed up with grime because you forgot to clean it before you put it away from your last range session? Um, you know, again, the ground crew should have cleaned the windows, but maybe they didn't. And that's why you pre-flight it. Um, and then, you know, is your optic turned on at a reasonable setting, etc. And then any other ancillary gear, is it powered up and ready to use? Or if it needs to be powered down so that you don't have an ND of some sort with an IR illuminator or a white light illuminator, is it turned off or locked out appropriately? Is your sling set up? or the sling swivels actually attached to the gun and the gun? Blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and doing all those different kind of things. Um, the pre-flight thing rears its ugly head when you step up to the line And someone says, is the shooter ready? And the shooter says, yes, the shooter's ready. And the guy says, is the shooter sure the shooter's ready? Um, Because the RO's standing behind you looking at an empty magwell in your gun, and he's giving you that one last chance. And you don't take it because you're sure you're ready, but you didn't pre-flight your stuff. We've all been there because it leads to one of the loudest noises in the world, which is a click when you wanted it to go bang. Yeah. So that, you know, when, and we could drone on and on and on about the pre-flight thing, but it it is, it is one of those things that is a, it's a, the mark of a professional is somebody who sets a gun down for some reason, takes their eyes off of it. When they pick that gun back up, they pre-flight the gun again, often, even if it's only been, you know, seconds, minutes, whatever, it doesn't have to be weeks in the safe to check and see what the gun's like.
0: Yeah, one of the things that really helps with all this stuff is using the right Loctite um, on pretty much any fastener that is used on the gun. Um, That helps keep screws from backing out, especially on things like optics mounts. Uh, Also, doing witness marks with paint pens um, is a good idea. It'll tell you when things start to loosen up.
1: Yeah, and in in the paint pen thing, the witness marks, there there are some manufacturers, especially around optics, who say you're not supposed to use Loctite. Um, I'm not going to counter the manufacturer of a specific device and say that you, don't, you shouldn't use Loctite. If you're concerned about avoiding the warranty, I'm concerned about avoiding my life. Um, so I might use blue Loctite even when it's not indicated as necessary by the manufacturer that the set torque value will take care of business. That set torque value on that optic may have been discussed and designed and engineered around a guy who goes out and shoots the gun two or three times in a hunting session. Or maybe two or three times in a sighting in session, um, and and only touches the gun a couple times a year. That same optic, those same mounts, etc. If I'm using them on a weekly or monthly basis to train with, or I'm throwing them in and out of a police cruiser um, in a bag or a case, or maybe not even in a bag or a case, they're going into some kind of locking secure device in a cruiser or in my personal vehicle. Um, that gun's getting beat around a lot more than the manufacturer. It's getting, vibrated defi- a lot. getting vibrated and beaten around a lot more than the manufacturer of the sighting devices was probably planning on. Um, you know. So at some point you may choose to go a little bit above and beyond the manufacturer's instructions. The torque value matters so that you don't damage things. Um, the Loctite is there because you're banking on it to save your life or your family's life, your partner's life, uh, citizen's life, whatever the case may be. Um, but we're back to the ground crew doing their job, right? Um, your pre-flight is to look at those witness marks and make sure that stuff's where it's supposed to be. Um, it literally takes two seconds, literally. We're we gonna pick on anybody. Uh,
0: we're not gonna name names. Okay, I cool. Think he knows who he is. Yeah, so
1: he he knows who he is. But we're gonna use him as a teachable moment because um, we know what a big Obama fan he is. So we're gonna use teachable moment as our phrasing here. Um, one one uh, of our one well, of our to jump in. Uh, yeah.
0: One other thing uh, for you guys running low power variable optics on ARs. Uh, ideally, we're looking with those optics, we're looking for. Cap turrets um, because we're using the optic, we're going to hold with the reticle anyways. Uh, and cap turrets keep the turrets from getting bumped and disturbed and changing your zero. Uh, in the event that you don't have cap turrets, uh, we either want locking turrets, uh, we need to check to make sure that those turrets stay locked yep. and haven't moved. Uh, and if you don't have locking turrets, uh, honestly, I'd probably be looking for a new optic. Um, and it's very important that on a regular basis, even when you're out in the world, you're just holding a gun, um, you're regularly checking to make sure those turks haven't moved.
1: Absolutely. And I, you'll, you'll find guys that are running precision type weapons um, professionally tend to be extremely possessive and protective of those weapons because it takes very very little for things to go sideways with an optic of that nature something that's more precise and more open to rapid adjustment um and and again at the professional level you should really be using an optic that has zero stops and zero marks and stuff like that um even if it needs to be rapidly adjustable um you know if you're a a a, you know law enforcement precision marksman and you're trained to appropriately dial up elevation or whatever um you know that's that's cool i'm not saying don't don't use that super high-end optic that does adjust rapidly, um, but, but check it, right? Um, so, and in, in the example would be, uh, you know, one of one of our tribes showing up to a shooting opportunity, um, firing a few rounds um, and not being on the target, and and, we're, and this is a gun that's made, you know, that's in use by the military, uh, by our military around the globe. Um, it's a weapon system that's in use by our military around the globe. Almost, well, I mean, it's the exact same gun, except I don't know if the military version has full auto capability or not. Um, but it's yeah. literally the exact same weapon system, same optics, same everything. Um, at 300 yards, the shot that was being taken shouldn't have been a big deal, but was off the target. Um, you know, and that was disconcerting. Um, it, it allowed us to give him a little bit of grief, a little bit of ribbing, because we love him to death. And that's how you learn, is through repetitive, demoralizing failure. Um, so we made sure that that part of it happened. Um, but you know, he, he immediately took the weapon to another range. Um, you know, got closer to a target, found out, oh, wow, I'm off by a mil or more, Um, you know, made and and then realized that the zero stop on on one of his scope turrets for windage was off by a mil. Um, You know, had the dolt slap your forehead, Homer Simpson moment, um, Mm -hmm. fixed it, was embarrassed and went on, but learned from it. Had this same individual pulled the weapon out of the case, set up on the line, gone through a preflight, made sure that zeros were where they're supposed to be. They're marked. They're, all, they're It's very visible. It's very easy to go. It's a top-notch scope on a top-notch weapon that's set up properly. The ground crew had done their job, but something got bumped in between the ground crew leaving and the air crew showing up to fly the plane. Um, that's what we mean by pre-flight. You know, go through all those things that need to be gone through. Each weapon system will likely have a slightly different pre-flight. So if you need to mentally in your own head, I, you know, as a former Zoomie, I'm a little bit of a checklist guy. Um, you know, write down that checklist of things that you want to go over with the gun, and maybe you throw it in the case with the gun, and the next time you open it, you kind of laugh at yourself because you're like, oh, I don't need that. But you glance at it for a second anyway, because maybe you did. Yeah. And, you know, and down the road at some point, it just becomes just as easy to go ahead and glance at it and then run through that checklist. Um, you'd be amazed at the people who do specific things for a living repetitively who still use checklists every flipping time they do those things.
0: Like everyone with a pilot's license?
1: Pretty much. Well, unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people with pilot's licenses who... who or I've been doing this for years. Everyone gets
0: paid to it, use their pilot's yeah, license. Yeah, well... Should.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mostly do. Yeah, mostly do. So, you know, that, and that is... That's called being a professional, Um, you know, and as a civilian, we say, well, is that really necessary for me? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's not necessary for you. Um, But when your life is on the line, it's pretty cheap insurance to run through somewhere between a two and eight item checklist. Every time you touch the gun, shouldn't be that big a deal. And it will set you up so that you don't make mistakes that could potentially cost you or somebody else dearly at some point. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so pre-flighting, um, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about with pre-flighting is, is everything in the gun set up the way that it should be, uh, when you pick it up, confirm everything's where it should be in the condition it should be in and that you're good to go and go on. Um, and if you're the ground crew, um, I suppose you get pissed off at your crew chief, um, when it's not set up right, but it was probably your responsibility too.
0: Yeah, most of the time with this stuff, we're kind of our own crew chief. Yep, exactly. To be in the pilot. Yeah, exactly. So yep, uh, yep. yeah, to add to that, um, guys, if you're running, you know, war belts, chest rigs, um, go bags, that kind of stuff, and you're using them in training, and then you're getting back home, you know, make sure you take the time to inspect all that stuff as well. Um, you know, switch out your training ammo uh, mags for party ammo mags. Make sure everything's reconfigured. Topped off, you know, ready topped to go. off, um, yep. mags are inserted into pouches the correct way, that so you don't have empty magazines in pouches. Um, you know, stuff hasn't rattled loose. Um, you know yeah, all no, that it, kind of stuff too. I'll
1: break that down back into the ground crew aspect of that. You come back from a shooting day, make sure it's clean, make sure nothing's broke, make sure nothing's cracked, make sure all the screws are where they're supposed to be. Chug on stuff, playing around with it, um, and then depending on whether you know how you have that, if that device is your grab and go device next to the bed. Then you pre-flight it before it goes into its position as your grab-and-go piece, which is topped off mags with the right ammo, etc. Um, if you did med gear training, did you put your, your training med gear back in the bag that it goes in for future training? Or dry it out, clean it up so it can go in the bag for future training? Because there's nothing like finding moldy med gear when you go to train with it. That's always fun. Um, but, you know, and then you can and then load it back up with the proper gear that's ready to go, your first-line gear that's ready to go. And have that, that's that's the pre flight then is gonna be setting that thing up before you hang it on the bedpost or put it in the closet or whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah, same thing if you're running stuff out of ammo cans, you're out on the range, you know, make sure that there wasn't a rain shower, yeah, you know, or a rain shower um, you know, wherever you were at, that filled up your ammo can with water. Yeah. <laughs> and then you sealed it up so guilty. that all the water went into the ammo. Yeah. Um, guilty. I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. So Yep, yep, yep.
1: So yeah, not not to belabor the point and some of this stuff is is it maybe seems a little bit, um, you know, a little bit over the top, a little bit too, Well, those guys are trying to be hardcore, operator-like. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to be like an operator, except I'm fat and old um, and don't have good reflexes and don't have lots of muscles and I'm not strong. But gosh, it would be a great thing to aspire to being a prepared professional who has his shit straight in a row. Um, And that is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to keep my stuff straight in a row um, as best I can when it's not actually my job because it's still my job
0: Yeah, as being the person in charge of your own
1: protective detail <laughs> I wish I could do a Pat Mack voice right now I would so do it uh, I would even do a Rebecca voice if I could do one right now so yeah so yeah because like I said that is kind of your job if you if you've taken care of you and your family then you you should try and treat it as much like a professional as you can so. So yeah, some more preaching because you know the right Reverend Christopher has does "Thou shalt preflight your gear in the name of Lord Jesus." Amen. So that's me. Yeah. Cool guys. Um, like I said, we're gonna you stop in and see us. Let's talk about this stuff. If you got questions about it, you know what does preflighting your gear look like? Um, you know if if we can get things to calm down here a little bit, we'd love to have those kind of conversations in the shop and. You know, maybe what you're running is a little bit different, a little bit esoteric, or just what you have and you're trying to figure it out. Um, stop in and let's have that conversation. Let's talk about pre flight in your gear. Let's talk about PM in your gear. Let's talk about being a crew chief and being the pilot. And, and maybe we can, you know, help you solve some problems, get stuff squared away and be be ready for what lies ahead.
0: Yeah. Um, also, you know, running quality gear um, helps eliminate a lot of these problems yep. quality gear tends to be made out of not only the right things, but also properly assembled. Um, so you don't have it falling apart, you know, after that first 500 rounds or whatnot, too. Yeah,
1: not not made out of chinesium. Um, you know, and, and like Brian said, put together by somebody who understands the torque value and, and what you're trying to and do with how to it. to use
0: Loctite. Yep. yep. Yep, yep, yep. Did we mention
1: use Loctite? Loctite's your friend. Blue Loctite's your friend. Red Loctite might be your friend. Um, if you use Red Loctite inappropriately, though, it can be a bad day.
0: Yeah. So Cool. Uh, on that note um please stop in and see us we're in hilliard ohio 4465 cemetery road uh, we are still running um slightly reduced hours um, we're 10 to 5 tuesday through saturday uh, we are still limiting it to four people in the store at a time um, due to health department related uh, social distancing for covid which we think is dead uh, yeah. but the health department doesn't and we have to keep them off our backs um, yeah, I think the longest anybody had to wait is maybe ten minutes this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you can find us on social media as long as they let us stick around. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Just um, search for Cap City Outfitters, and we do a weekly newsletter. Um, if you'd like to get that, either sign up on the website or drop us an email info at Cap City Outfitters, and we will happily add you to that. And then visit us on the web um, CapCityOutfitters.com got lots of information on there particularly surrounding what it takes to buy a suppressor and how to do an FFL transfer yes Um, on that note um, stay frosty stay dangerous and don't go to stupid places and do stupid things with stupid people there you go thanks guys